full of foolishness. My baby got a rambling mind. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Jesse B. Humbly welcoming you to the Autoflower Show. Thanks for joining us as we explore autoflowers from seed to soul. Follow us on Instagram to catch these interviews live at the Autoflower Show. Subscribe to the show's Patreon for bonus perks and content. And check out the brand new merch we have available over at www.teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash the dash autoflower dash shop. Now let's find out what's growing ours. How's it going, brother? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. Dude, this is, uh, I've been really looking forward to this one, especially because I've been making hash myself, so for my own consumption. So it's really, really, really awesome having you here. Oh, it's all my pleasure. So what are we talking about today? Well, first and foremost, let's, uh, let's have you introduce yourself. Kind of tell everybody, uh, tell everybody your story. What what got you into hash and stuff like that, man? Oh well, like anyone else who like hash, I started trying hash on uh, dispensaries around Vancouver, and unfortunately, the quality was inconsistent. That's pretty frustrating. Yeah, and that was basically all the kick that I needed, and. Watching Frenchie, basically you could say a graduate from Frenchie school, even though I never attended his seminars, but all the basis of the knowledge and whatnot was based upon uh, his thoughts. His YouTube videos and whatnot. Yeah. Which are just incredible. I mean, I've spent a lot of time watching them lately. And some of them might be pretty long, some of them over an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah, uh, you might get lost in the middle. His articles on his website are pretty helpful over there. There's a lot of um, good pointers, and uh, him himself had other interviews um, on those magazines. It's almost like, yeah, it's basically some magazines interview uh, where he speaks more in detail on all aspects from the dimension of ripeness to drying to how do you evaluate the resin to yeah. for your end product yeah i recently saw him i think it was on or listened to him on hashishin and i think it was hashishin and yeah. it was um it, they basically just gave him the microphone and were like tell us about resin mm -hmm. you know what i mean and he went from like you know the 1800s if not even before that to now and it was yeah incredibly incredibly interesting he's a very very knowledgeable man now that kind of segues me into uh, a more fun question have you ever met him um i was aiming to i had a very close chance to attend his uh, montreal seminar but i never made it through hopefully after this quarantine he would be visiting canada again i'll definitely take the chance if not um i think He's going to have more of those seminars coming in the U.S., probably in Cali, because they're up to a new program called Gangier, which is 
the Somalier equivalent in the cannabis industry. Uh, I'm not no. sure if you're aware of it, but they're kicking off this new program where you can be a certified hashishin or there is not a specific, uh, like not necessarily just a hashishin. You can become anything related into the cannabis with a um, uh, with a certification. It's almost like uh, attending a school. Wow. And, yeah. and that's going to be in California, you said? Yeah, and unfortunately, I thought it's going to be online, but uh, it, part of it is online, and one of their uh, mandatory rules is that you should be able to visit Cali at least twice a year uh, whenever they tell you about the dates that you should be there. So, uh, so I mean, really- barring COVID lifting, you might be able to pull that off. Absolutely. I hope that can be done. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, I'll definitely aim for it. Um, don't think it's that expensive either. I think the whole course is up to 2,900 American. Really? Which is, uh, it can be, yeah, it is. I mean, for, for online course and to get the certification to be one of the renowned uh, Gangiers uh, for that program, yeah. I'll definitely take it. Just that's a matter of the travel might be a deal breaker. But hopefully, there will come up with some uh, easier solutions. Yeah, fingers crossed for you, buddy. I really want to see that happen for you because you're doing some amazing things with hash. Um, um, I'm doing what I like uh, to smoke and share with uh, with the community, to put it lightly out there. Yeah, I think that I think that that's a huge, huge. Uh, when when it gets to to be such a mastered craft. The passion has to be there, like you're saying. Like you have to like it. You're doing it for you, and 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 anybody else experiencing it's it's just lucky, mm-hmm. right? Um, okay. So next, uh, I want to talk about the the Frenchie competition that you did. Yeah. I just want to know, like, kind of what what the camaraderie was like there, what it felt like just being there, and also, um, yeah, the experience of of taking home a, a win. Uh, well, it was unexpected. Uh, I have joined his previous competitions as well, the Hashborn competitions. I joined in with no intentions of winning at all. The first time was a pretty intense competition. The second time, I had a feeling I would have a chance with the, uh, with the hash that I used in uh, the competition, which was a air-dried live resin heads from 220 we can say 219 because it's after the 220 into the 160 micron which most of uh hash maker would consider a trash bag not valuable yeah like a edibles hash kind of thing is what most people would consider that right absolutely uh that's the common uh that's the common knowledge about it but it's not always the case depending on your on the cultivar and if the plant is indoor versus outdoor the resin head can be as big as 300 micron but it's not that common to have that big heads around but luckily for that mpu that i was running i was able to pull to have three pulls of clean full melt resin uh, at 5.5 star melt 
And yeah, basically <coughs> thinking about this competition, I think what would give it away was uh, the <coughs> microns used in the competition, which was, um, I'm pretty impressed until today that I was able to pull that, that full melt out of these screens. Yeah, that's, that's a, a really large micron to get a full melt from. Which makes me wonder, did you grow the MK yourself? No, I did not grow myself. Um, okay. In the process of learning, I deal with multiple growers and some personal grows around. And I happen to have a good connection with a few of them. And I would say the key into making proper hash is that grower to hash maker connection, which is not as common in this culture here. And yeah. Yeah, if there I, would be more of that, definitely we would see more and more of better work out there. So that actually um, an interesting point that I have picked up in all of my research and something that as a grower I have shifted myself mm -hmm. is that I'm no longer growing flour. I'm growing the resin. Yes. And, and so that's the relationship that you're talking about. You need to find a grower. If you're just a hash maker, you need to find a grower that uh, is willing to grow resin, not so much grow their flower. Yeah, I mean, you could look at the plant and grow it the way they think it's fit. But like you said, it goes down to a macro level. How mm -hmm. is the resin developing? Yeah. Uh, and Size of stalks versus the size of heads. Absolutely. Th this would be into... Uh, what type of hash that you'd be into. Stocks, I wouldn't say they're useless, but usually when we're talking about hash, we're mainly talking about the bulbous head, the round resin heads. These yeah. are what everyone is going after in terms of the uh, medicinal effects and uh, the full melt, all the, cannabin all the valuable uh, cannabinoids and terpenes are within those resin heads. The stocks are not like it's not completely useless, but in my opinion, they're less valuable when we're talking about resin. Okay, so now what you say everything's within the head, what you but the stock isn't useless. What's within the stock? And if it's uh, another form of resin, it's if, if I understand it right, it's another form of resin, but it's drier and it does not contain as much of cannabinoids and terpenes as it is in the resin heads. Okay, so separating them, you're, you're still coming to a more pure form at the end. Yes. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, what, what category did you win in that competition? So it was the category of uh, granulated unpressed resin. Okay. And uh, there was three uh, judging categories in every type of uh, um, resin posted. And there was People's Choice and Frenchie's Favorite and Madame Frenchie's Favorite. And the one that I won was uh, People's Favorite. I was hoping it would be Frenchie's Favorite since uh, he is into how the resin looked like and how it looks melty. It didn't have melty shots then, so I was hoping to get that, but it was mainly uh, people's choice uh, for that competition. That's that's still so awesome. 
Oh, it I mean, sure is. Just to be able to win it once, uh, it's uh, a great honor. And it's pushing me for the next one. They should have uh, a hash born for upcoming sometime soon. They did not announce when, but when it happens, I hope I have something new. Yeah, I, I, man, I don't know. I'd really like to see, to be there myself. If it's in BC, I'd, uh, I'd like to be there. Not to enter anything, but to just to be a part of it because every time every time i talk to somebody about those events the camaraderie and the mm. kind of community coming together like that is is a, apparently infectious and and just just a wonderful time uh, this the field of the hash making is not explored well enough the way okay. that i see it most of the focus currently are into the rosins and things basically anything that you could squish it's the main focus right now uh, for the Canadian market, if, if, I, if I understand my things well. Yep. Uh, there is not enough coverage on the hash field um, and the full melt. There's few great hash makers in Canada, for sure, who pull out great full melt. But I don't think it's getting its shine enough as it is to the rosins, hash rosin and live rosin. I agree, but would you say that's because if you're washing hash, you're going to have, I mean, okay, unless it's the case of this MKU where your your heads were, you know, 300 micron. But, yes. Um, uh, it was not as big as 300 micron. I'm saying, just to clarify, there sure. is heads as big as 300 microns, but this one, um, between the 220 to 160, it still maintained the pretty good full heads that are full melt. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, let's say that um, like there is the exception where, you know, a lot of it is, is going to be great. Now, there mm -hmm. is times where you're washed through the line. Some of it mm -hmm. is full melt and, and yep. that, that hash is to be pressed. So mm -hmm. most often you're going to have a little bit of full melt mm -hmm. and, a, and a bunch of hash to press. Yeah. And so that's yeah. why I feel like rosin is getting so shined upon is because, quite frankly, it's just more available. That that can be the case for majority of growers. For example, few of the growers that I work with, um, one of the old strains that I have had on my page, uh, Zombie Kush, that was one of the most insanely melt that I have seen throughout all microns. Full spec, first pull. Awesome last pull it has been melty beyond melty even that last wash which should be uh, greener uh, less uh, mature and ripe heads it is still a pretty good melt the lowest it ever scored was four star which is pretty impressive for a full spec at your last wash and by last wash i mean uh, probably eighth or tenth wash which is wow. a little bit of an overspin for some people yeah that's a lot of time um, spent on the on the machine yeah, it is. And uh, back then I was using a washing machine. Currently I'm using uh, hand agitation and buckets just mm -hmm. because uh, working with a bigger scale or how can I, not even the bigger scale, the ability to, to be able to feel the plant material as you wash, it's better controlled. By hand washes or, or or open bucket than a washing machine. Not that they're bad, but um, the human condition in the hand washes is more common, which means um, inconsistent uh, results. But 
you can control the variables more by hand washing than a than a washing machine. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're watching it, right? You're 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 watching what's happening in the bucket, so you yeah. can determine when to change directions, uh, et cetera, et cetera, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, but there is still the room for human error. Yes. Um, okay. So, shoot, I had a, that. Uh, okay. So you say you use buckets. Do you mind telling us how you stack your buckets? What it looks like? Or at least maybe, do you mind if I, I can tell the audience what I've done, and then maybe mm -hmm. you can correct, correct mm -hmm. me if you feel the need to. Okay. So I have I have a a, a work bucket mm -hmm. that. Okay, so I start with my 220 and I've cut a bucket, the bottom off of a bucket and, and I put the 220 in there and then and all my, my material in that. Underneath that, I just have a normal bucket with my 190 in there. Okay. And so, and then after I wash, I, okay, so after I wash my hash or, you know, stir it mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and then I take the work bucket out and I've got my 190, I'll strain that out and collect it. And then now I've got a bucket of water, of, of hash water. And, and then I'm pouring it into another bucket with spacers like that down the line, deciding whatever bags I'm going to use depending on the material. Yes, yes. And so, again, I've, used, I've just cut the bottom of buckets off to, as spacers. Mm -hmm. Now, is there anything within that cutting the bucket off? Is there any, like, for me, I just, like, willy-nilly cut it off. You know what I mean? Now, I I think personally, like after looking at my setup, if I would have cut them lower, it would have ended up working out better, but only on the first one and then a little shorter and a little shorter and a little smaller. Um, yeah. Would you say that you've done something similar? I would say everyone has their own way in washing. Uh, mm. The setup that you talked about, uh, I don't see anything wrong with it. It's just what's convenient for you. Okay. Also for your size, let's say you're running a big 32-gallon bucket and you're only yeah. one guy, you're running that by yourself. Definitely you want to do some uh, bucket cuttings and yeah. um, tubings and all the necessary setup for the water flow where you would have to minimize you lifting the bucket up and down and whatnot. Yeah, because 32, 32 gallons is extremely heavy. Where yeah, I'm, I'm doing for five one guy gallons. for sure. There's yeah, yeah, I'm doing five gallons, right? So yeah, picking up the spacers and stuff, it's just yeah, it's it's relatively easy. But the, I, again, I'm a, the audience is pretty much a, a home grower audience. So these guys are going to be washing the hash themselves that they've grown. More yeah, than usually most people will start with a five gallon. Um, to be honest, not that I'm advocating mainly for washing machines, but um, the five-gallon washing machines do help a lot uh, with avoid a lot of errors if you're starting to wash hash. It's just if a matter of your ice on water. Yeah. It's the matter of ice and water ratio. Okay. And uh, how long are you spending it? Yeah. And if you can just keep an... an a close eye from the beginning of the wash to the end of the wash, you should be able to build some understanding on how much is too much of ice. Um, basically, if you can get your water down to four Celsius or under, you should be pretty safe. And if you're keeping ice in there, you're keeping it to a minimal, 
just to keep the water temperature stable. Also, yeah. having a, a thermal sleeve on the outside will help you maintain that temperature even more and use less ice because the more ice you would be using, you grind more plant material and you would end up with dirtier hash. Um, even if you try to rinse the bags, there's always particulates that make its way through and will significantly reduce the quality of your hash if you're aiming for full melt and or would make your rosin greener, darker because yeah. of the contaminants in there. Correct. I like this, man. This is all stuff that you're just really reinforcing a lot of the stuff that I've learned. Now, um, as far as running a machine, mm -hmm. back to the Frenchie videos, man, he's got a really good one on YouTube where he runs a big stainless steel one and then I think it's a it's either a five the, or a twenty. The pound. delta separation one. That 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 machine is killer. Yes. Yeah, it's insane. It goes up to what fifteen hundred RPM. <clears throat> but then when you watch it at 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 it, the way it's agitating the 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 water is so gentle. It's insane. Yes, it, it has those setup settings. That it, it's not as your common five gallon where it only has one speed spinning back and forth. What's more interesting too that it goes in a figure eight, so it's not just spinning clockwise and counterclock it spins in a way where it creates a vortex but also that um uh that infinity the eight yeah the, the eight figure um uh, structure which helps drag the resin to the bottom and then yeah. flower goes up and it keeps going repeatedly like that yeah now somebody in the comments asks a really really good question because before watching that video yeah. i i thought you would do this but he says can you would you recommend uh putting a work bag in the machine i've seen someone do it on youtube i do not recommend that it would yeah. get in the way of the 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 vortex i understand people wanting to control the contaminants and the plant material but it's not as hard as always using a bag if you would fuck up once or twice that's fine but using the bags was not a good result for me at all it have not been giving me the desired yields and you never know the size of the resin head that you're running unless you're always going around with a scope to check the size of the resin head some of the scopes actually have the uh the micron sizes on the edges where you'll be able to judge the resin head size and Neat. uh yeah Neat. So you, give, you it'll have like it's got like a a, a yeah. line on the side or whatever, so you yes. can see the size of the resin yes. micron yes, line. Yes. Yeah, Very this is cool. what I used with the MKU. Um, the grower has one of those two, so it's convenient if I forget mine. Yeah, to be able to look up the resin up close, just to know if I should actually consider anything worthy in the 160 above or not. Uh, Joe, Joe Matt Pro is curious if you have a link or whatever. What I'm going to say is maybe hit him up in the DMs and, and he'll, sure. if he has one, he'll share that with yep, you. Please, I, please hit telling, me up and yeah, we'll connect yeah. him. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling Joe. Joe, hit up Van and uh, and I'm sure he might be willing to help you out or at least, you know, iron some shit out with you. Um, sure. Now, I'm curious. Uh, shoot, I had a really good question. Oh, yeah. So when I watched the video by Frenchie and he's – running the bag out his work bag is in the bucket and yes. so it'll catch any sort of uh plant matter that comes through that hose yeah now um i 
yeah, there, he also in that video discusses the tubing and stuff like that. Um, that's a little gem that you, you should really go watch the video to watch unless uh, unless you want to discuss that. I'm not sure if I have seen the same exact video. Okay. Um, but but what would be your question in there? So, so he he talks about um, like uh, what's the word cannibalizing the washing machine after you buy it because of the corrugated tubing. Mm -hmm. Have you done that yourself with machines? Like uh, adjusting the tubing uh, for those. Um, so he machines? he took yeah he took out the corrugated tubing and uh, okay, put okay, in okay. and put in um, I can't remember exactly what he called it but it was like braided and plastic and yes, and, yes, yes. and so that way there was no contaminants getting caught in there the least amount yes. of contaminants getting caught in the tube versus in getting caught in that accordion corrugated fucking tube. Okay, okay, I, I get your point. The Yeah, the corrugation can actually get in the way. If you never know how sticky there is and you work with. It'll always stick on those uh, crevices. And going on with your hash, it might mold, it might carry yeah. more contaminants, it will miss the terpene profile. Let's say you have something that is really strong tasting, and then you go with something fruity tasting, and you did not, you did not change that. It definitely, will get in the way of uh, uh, the purity of the end product. So yeah. changing it is ideal. Also, um, the the way it works, they're easily clogged. Um, I usually do some adjustments to my five gallon machines, which is um, I take off. There are so many different models, but the model that I have, I I have to take off everything on the inside. There's extra moving parts that are unneeded and I found yeah. out resin to be stuck within the twisting parts of the washing machine itself um, and this is one part where I would adjust I haven't adjusted the five gallon that I used to own because I did not use it for the longest time and I used to give it an ISO soak every other wash just to make sure that anything that is stuck would be out yeah, but I would yeah, yeah. mainly advise in changing the corrugated tube if you want to avoid more errors with your wash. Okay, so now um, I gave you some questions. I would like to kind of start getting into those if you don't mind. Yeah. So that yeah, so that you're a little more prepared for answers and whatnot. So um, the first one was uh, what determines yield when pressing hash strain contaminants technique. Okay, so even if you have a strain that you're working with for the longest time, let's say you're getting, um, you're doing different cuttings, different phenos of that, the same strain on different phenos would not always yield the same. So there are so many variables starting from the plant, genetics, cultivar, and then the resin head itself. For example, it's not always the case, but what I have had in my own experiences. Uh, sativa lenient strains would have more of a waxier shell on the outside and less okay. of the oil content and when you squish it you see less yields so basically what determines the yield in my opinion would be the resin head structure how thick is the wax shell on the outside this would determine how much you would be squishing out mostly in the indica or the cushions that i work with they are almost all consistent on the higher up end of the spectrum when it comes into squishing and rosin yield. 
uh, contaminants do come in the way as well. And for example, I would consider the resin stocks as contaminants because they don't okay. have much in them to give. And if you have a mix of, let's say you did a full spec wash and you were pretty rough with it, your hash doesn't look green, but under the scope, you should be able to see if you have gathered a lot of stocks or is it mainly resin heads? And this would determine also your yield by decreasing it. If you have more stocks, you're getting less yield. If you get more resin heads, you're getting more yield. And the resin head themselves, depending on the wax shell that they have on the outside, determining how much you can get out. Wow. Okay. Awesome. Now, another thing too, um, technique, like how you press. If you're, if you're going to blast it down, right, you're, you're not going <laughs> to get anything. The low and slow is, uh, is very important. You, um, in the DMs, changed my hash pressing game and actually allowed me to get some fucking yields out of, you know, the 10 grams that I make at a time. Yeah, I recall you had an issue with that. I'm not sure what, what was that, but what, what was the issue that you have had before? So I was just, I think I went too fast, man. Um, burst, you've been having bursts, you said, no? It wasn't so much bursts, but the, mm -hmm. like, the yields, like I didn't blow out any hash. I've blown out okay. flour and key, which okay. is hash, but it, mm -hmm. I didn't blow out any bubble. But what I did was I just, I, I went too fast on it and I, I didn't get very much yield. And then, so what you told me to do was you 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 reaffirmed that the way that I packed the bag was was mm -hmm. right, and mm -hmm. then and then you were just like, man, you got to go slow. And oh, and then no, what it was my biggest problem was that I went for ten grams. You and I have the same size plates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The plate I, size definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I went to press ten grams, and I got very little out of it. And you were like, no, man, cut that in half. Mm -hmm. And and from there, dude, it was, yeah, it's been a game changer. Absolutely. It comes down to the, your plate size. I can be greedy sometimes. You want to get as much squishes as possible. And then as you're trying to do so, it doesn't always work as intended. But I find out if I'm squishing less, it's giving out more. If I'm going to squish, for example, 10 grams, I'm getting less yield than I would get for five grams and I can get the full content of the bag in there. And then double bagging would work for some people. For me, I just do a full tech, which is I usually get bigger screen. I cut it because they're usually the stitched ones. I cut it to have a flat screen. I pre-press the hash and I fold the mesh bag around it and just squish. It had worked for me the best, no blowouts, the yields has been pretty consistent, and I'm using less bags. Uh, but this is just what worked for me. Other people prefer double bagging. Mm -hmm. It all comes down to if it serves your yields and your what, work and time. What do you pre-press with? Do you use a little um, pollen, pollen press? or? No, I use the press itself. So, yeah. I would, so before you've heated up your... You're going to pre-press any bags you're going to press, and then you're going to turn it on. Let's say super melty hash. I would just press that by hand and shape it into a square. Okay. Uh, if it's less, if it's on the drier end, I would put that in parchment and just give it a little bit of a heat press where I can mold I it see. into the shape yeah, I want to yeah, have in quickly there. put it on there and, and, and take it off, and then it's, it's malleable. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. This is dope, man. You're, you're really... Uh, someone is asking me about the Micron. I use 
25 or 37 micron. Um, others argue that you should even use bigger microns. For me, I haven't seen much of a difference in the yields between the 25 to the 37. I okay. find out the heat plays the most factor. Okay. Because I have had some friends complaining of THCA remnants stuck to the bags and they're worried they're not getting every ounce of yield out there. I would say this, the same if I'm pressing under 170 or okay. 180 Fahrenheit. If mm -hmm. I'm pressing under those uh, temperatures, I usually end up with THCA stuck to the bag. Uh, doing a 200 Fahrenheit or so, I don't see any of that at all, and everything comes out all clean and okay. more yield, but some people would not like it because uh, it gives you darker rosin. But again, the darkness can be due to oxidation, the quality of material, uh, the the strain itself could be just a dark resin type of strain. But yeah, what answers that for the temperatures and the micron used, I would go 25, 37, and I would press over 190 Fahrenheit to 200 Fahrenheit. That's awesome, man. I wrote all of that down. <laughs> Even though this is recorded, it's good to just have. Um, now, I... Uh, Okay, so my computer fell asleep here. Just hold on a sec. Get these questions up. Okay, so now um, you've already kind of answered this, and it's I'm now want to get in a little deeper with it. So you've answered how you choose which bags you're going to wash with, and that's by using the scope and, and looking at the heads beforehand, correct? Mm -hmm. Can you please so, repeat that question again? How do you choose which bags you're going to wash with? Uh, I don't usually wash like that. This is more of a, of a detailed question that okay. doesn't have a specific answer because I see. it depends on the resin head. Again, it comes down to the scope. If I see the yeah. scope and I see the resin heads associated, I, this is definitely how I would do it. I'm a strong believer in full spec, which is giving a bad, is given a bad drip amongst the heady guys in the community while sure. for coming down to the medicinal aspects and the full flavor full spec always wins but if people like to get more into the more flavor and clean and whatnot you can have a clean full spec as well it's just the 90 micron or the 73 micron would be more of the taste here and and also depend again on the cultivar maybe the person or the grower you're dealing with is not growing the plant to its full potential where the full spec would actually bring lesser quality to the squish that you have which is it's a safer bet to side with the 90 those cleaner type of microns for squishing awesome thank you that's uh, and then so um yeah, so you, you answered the second half of that question in, within that, so that's that's great. So um, is it worth further refining after that, uh, after before pressing, or do you just go straight to pressing? Explain refining. Refining exactly what? So say you've got your, your um, full 
your full spec or, mm -hmm. or say you've, you've washed your hash, is it mm -hmm. worth farther refining that hash before pressing? Or if you're going to press it, should you just press it? But by refining, how do you mean, what do you mm -hmm. mean refining? It's a, um, I guess, uh, would you dry it out, sift it, mm -hmm. and then press it? Mm -hmm. or, or would you, um, yeah, I guess, like, I mean, would you try and, 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 and get it, would you try and remove the stocks? Okay, that can be a little bit difficult unless you can sift your bubble and okay. uh, I'm not sure if that would be always possible to re-sift your bubble unless okay. you get the right environment. Let's say you're working with a pretty good full melt. Uh, even though if you're able to manage that, it's going to be, be pretty time consuming. The whole point of doing ice water is that the water and the screens do all the sieving for you. So it comes okay. down to how clean do you wash, uh, your agitation time, water color, and how much contaminants do you end up with in your cleaning bags, 220, 190, 160. If you're seeing less contaminants, then you're ending up with cleaner results. If you're getting more contaminants, then your agitation is a little bit extra. Okay, awesome. Now, um, <clears throat> can you talk about anything Thing about the curing process, whether applying heat after you've pressed or cold curing uh, to make certain consistencies. The current type is all about cold cure because people believe heat altering affects terpenes, affects everything else. Can be the case for some strains. Some strains benefit from a little bit of a heat curing. For example, when you squish some types of hash, it will come up shattery, solid type of rosin. It's not gonna be sticky and pliable. These ones benefit a lot from heat curing to be able to speed up the process or actually activate okay. further terpenes and cannabinoids in there that were still locked in. And some other strain, for example, cushions. I find out that the MKU is phenomenal after cold cure for a week or five days as opposed to fresh press a fresh press uh, tastes pretty mediocre nothing to write home about but until it's cured for that certain amount of time it is pretty pleasant so it's a strain dependent you can always yeah. work it both ways do cold cure do heat cure and see which one that fits more your criteria. It would be pretty ignorant to decide cold cure is the way or heat cure is the way. It depends on your personal taste and what does the strain, if you can actually push the strain further. Yeah, okay, so now when you say cold cure, do you just chuck it in a fridge? A cold cure doesn't necessarily require a fridge unit. You would need the temperatures to be around 60 Fahrenheit or so, so okay. it's not super cold, but at the same time, not hot. Yeah, um, like I'd like, say my my windowsill probably. Yeah, current weather, we're at the best season for cold cure right now. Yeah. Uh, and then in summer, definitely, it's not ideal for cold cure, depending on where you are in Canada or where you are in the world, wherever you're curing your stuff. But usually around 60, 65 Fahrenheit is ideal for cold cure. It does not mean cold in the fridge. Okay. It's um, just going to slow the process. Uh, it's still going to cold cure, 
It's going to take see. way it's longer. It's going to take longer in the fridge. Okay, yes. so um, I'd want to tell the audience that we will get to some audience questions at the end. So beside the comments, there's a little question mark. And if you want to throw any questions in there, uh, that way I can read them and, and then put them on sure. the screen. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I kind of have, I have one last question. Now, um, this is what separates you from the pack. So I understand. Um, just answer however you feel comfortable. But I want right. to know, know about your hash drying technique, even... Just because mm -hmm. for me, mm -hmm. I've made I've made hash twice now, um, like recently. Sorry, and each time I ended up not drying it long enough and and getting some water content in my in my hash in my yeah. rosin. How sorry. would you usually tell that you have water content? Yeah, uh, well, do you, are you asking or are you? Saying, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm um, asking you. How do you usually tell? What is the indication that you have water? After I pressed it and I dab it, it's crackling. Mm hmm Okay. That's one way to tell for sure, right? Yeah, and so I I just wanna know um yeah, and then another thing too is like watching it rinse off the dab tool. It was mm. a quick, quick mm -hmm. right, and it just like boom into the banger, which normally it takes some time, right? Yeah. Um and then yeah, uh it like coats the inside of your mouth and throat like instantly. Yeah. And so it's clearly water, but I didn't I dried the first one um, and then and pressed it and it was wet and I knew it. And then so I dried the second one even longer. So now this, this third one that I'm about to do uh, either today or tomorrow, mm -hmm. I will dry even longer. Now, mm -hmm. I don't have the best drying parameters. Yeah. But so I just want to hear about by, your drying. All right. So it goes by pretty basic um, setup, which was mentioned on the Frenchies videos, articles, and until today, he's still talking about it. So ideally, you want your humidity at 35% or less and your room temperature around 12 Celsius or less. Once you have those two factors, you can guarantee the most efficient drying tech. And then how do you tell if your hash is dried enough? It comes down to the clarity of the resin. Usually when you see your resin granulated drying and it has whitish cloudy color that indicates you still have moisture in there which means okay. it requires more time for drying that's one thing another thing to tell a quick test is to grab a pinch in a parchment and if the hash does not have equal colors that's another indication for moisture still being in there okay and okay. then now, the drying um, time can be anywhere between two, three days to a week, depending on your setup and how consistent your temperature and humidities are. Okay. Okay. Now, um, what's your opinion on fresh frozen versus uh, like dead material, dry dead material? So if we're going to talk about medical the medicinal aspect a dried cured resin will be superior to live live i find to be short-lived high it does not last as long as you would but you get pretty insane terps pretty yeah. pleasant mood change and it does not cripple you as uh, as hard as a cured resin would 
Awesome. Okay, man. So we've we're down to the last like sixteen minutes or so. So I'm gonna bump to these questions from the audience. Sure. Um, okay, here's a good one from Green Essentials. Mm -hmm. He wants to know what's a good model of washing machine uh, to make hash at home, small scale for personal use. All right, the easiest setup would be a five-gallon washing machine and two buckets and your bubble bag setup, whatever the bags that you're using. But the washing machine is essential for personal use, and it would usually fit up to half a pound of dried material. I um, would not recommend live in a washing machine unless your hands are on the switch the whole time where you agitate it always on and off, on and off, on and off. It just doesn't handle crazy agitation in the washing machine, um, at least for the first two, three washes. Okay, okay. Now, so, yeah. I think he's wondering, um, like, if there's a brand of washing machine or if, like... Um, Don't yeah, go by the brand, go by the design. The less moving parts inside and the way that the water flow goes through it is the best way to judge brands i haven't seen a specific brand that has a a pretty good washing machine because there is no five gallons on the market specifically for hash they're all for clothes you just need a machine that has the least amount of moving parts in there where your hash could get stuck anywhere awesome now i actually have a quick question what, what brand of bags do you use as far as washing do you use rosin evolution i tried i currently i use a mix of bags uh, it's a mix of cool. rosin evolution the bubble man's humble uh, the bolt uh, the bolt uh, bags from frenchy so it's a mix Dope. of everything uh why am i mixed them up i don't think that there is the perfect setup anywhere yet um maybe the most perfect one so far which i have seen with friends i never operated it myself but I've seen the results, which is the ice extract ones, but they're the most expensive currently on the market, but they do the trick pretty good. Uh, the easiest and the most economic solution would be the rosin evolution bag, especially if you're aiming for bigger washes and you don't want to break your back. Okay, here's a good question. What do you dry, what do you like to dry, air dry that water hash on? What brand? What so, brands? I, okay. Yeah, I guess. So, like, you know, the Micron Sheet? They might be looking how to get them or uh, know, where, wherever okay. you dry. Um, any 25 Micron bag would be okay to use it on. Or I usually use parchment. In some cases, I would use cardboard, as juvenile as it sounds. But it all comes down to do you know your material that you're putting your hash on and do you know the right timing of just for example if you're using cardboard definitely it's pretty temperamental you'll end up with contaminants from the cardboard if you're not pretty cautious about the temperatures that you're working with i mean yeah. nothing that i'm saying is not discovered it's all out there it is yeah. just it's all about your environment uh, variables how how much they have your drying room dialed at any surface could be used it just depends on the time for example cardboard will wick moisture way faster than uh parchment parchment, parchment yeah. doesn't doesn't have as much of a 
desiccant ability as a, uh, a cardboard would, but um, cardboard would degrade or oxidize your hash faster. I have noticed that in some strains that usually end up with slightly darker results from the cardboard and that something that I don't have an answer for yet. So yeah, you can use a fine micron to dry on parchment or cardboard. Perfect. Now, um, I guess what I do is I use that micron and then I put it in a pizza box because it's food grade cardboard. Pizza box yes. tech. Um, now, here's a, here's a question actually I want to know. Mm -hmm. Do you do you freeze your bubble? Like, so you dry it, freeze it, and then sieve it? It depends on how cold your room is. For example, I'm in a weather currently, I mean, it's not the coldest in Vancouver, but let's say you're somewhere where it's cold, you would not need it. If you are in a hotter area, definitely you want to freeze it before sieving, just so you can have a proper sieving structure. I do not advise microplaning. I am more of a fan of uh, uh, sieving through a, a kitchen strainer. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I like it too. And then you also like, I mean, I've heard stories of people microplaning and fucking cutting their finger and ruining the whole batch. Um, my hands are too hot. I never like microplaning because I end up with a lot of hash on my fingers after glove or no glove. It don't matter. My hands are always hot. Ten layers of glove. It doesn't work for and me. And so, what are you so doing? To, what are you doing in the sieve? Are, like a spoon and a sieve. Spoon. That's the yeah. same. The same way Frenchie did. A spoon and a yeah. sieve. Spoon and a sieve. Perfect. Yes. That's awesome, man. This is great. I really appreciate all of this information, dude. Oh no worries. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so. Uh, this is a uh, good question. It's how do you cure hash? I can't find anything. Now, hash is a really broad term. Mm -hmm. I would so, assume he is talking about regular hashish, hash. not yeah. uh, not the, not rosins or any refined forms of resin. Yeah. So, uh, the curing again from the Frenchy website, it re it requires. Pressing, after pressing, basically you're decarbing your hash by taking the A molecule, the carbon molecule out, out of the THCA to make a THC, C, like a CBDA, take out the A. We just want to take that carbon molecule out in order to have a full activated effect of the medicine that you're using. Uh, the point of decarbing, it will increase the absorption levels in your bloodstream for example when you consume a fresh raw hash that you just dried it would taste good but i wouldn't guarantee you're getting the full effects because the carbon get in the way of attaching that thca and other cannabinoids to your system to to the blood cell itself so I that's see. the main point of decarbing you need to get that carbon molecule out so you can get the full effects after decarbing which decarbing would be by hot bottle, boiling hot water, and you're spreading your hash back and forth more than one time until you think it is all equally unified, a piece of hash. There is no granulations. It's all at the smooth same surface. And then it comes down to the curing part, which can take somewhere between six months to a year. Uh, people do it less for three months or so. I do it for a month because I'm impatient with my meds, like I said, everything that I make is mainly for my own consumption. And from there, 
I'm pretty impatient. Uh, but God knows, I hope I can. The most I aged stuff was the few strains that I have had posted on the page. Can name them right now, but I have the oldest I ever aged was a year, about a year and a month, or about we can say just one year of aged hash. It was the train wreck that I have posted on the page, or I think it should be on the hash gods page. And it's the craziest looking hash I have seen so far, which is pushing me to age my resin further. Okay, how do you cure your resin? It will be in a, a cold, dark area with cellophane, uh, with better be organic cellophane, and put that into a, an airtight glass containers, and it should be good to go. You just don't want to expose it to oxygen or light during the curing process. Just put wow. it, forget about it, come back later. Yeah, wow. So um, one thing you said in there is that all of that information is on the Frenchie website. So because uh, in that question, he says he can't find it anywhere. So if you're looking for actual literature on it, check out the Frenchie website. <clears throat> um, yes. Now, um, OK, so I have to read this before putting it up. But what mm -hmm. is the what's the best process for controlling oxidization on bubble hash to ensure a quality product versus FD. I don't know what FD stands for, but. Uh, freeze dryer. FD would be ah. a freeze dryer. I see, um, I see, yes. So the reason a freeze dryer would usually have a lighter color resin because it's pretty, pretty, pretty cold. So if some people, like <laughs> pretty cold, freezing cold, uh, <laughs> when it comes into the air drying, I doubt that most of the People who do their hash are drying it at that certain temperatures. Not everyone has the extra buck to create that perfect room for the drying. If you check one of Frenchie's videos, he has a whole room dedicated. Not a big room, almost like a, a bedroom that is all controlled to that temperature and humidity I mentioned earlier. So mm -hmm. it comes down to your temperature if you're hash is getting warmer it's oxidizing faster if your room is colder it will oxidize less and also it depends on the water content let's say you see if your hash too wet usually you let it sit on the screen on that 25 micron blotting screen before you start sieving it but if you're just sieving it from wet even when it's frozen it all depends on the water content. If there's extra water content and your room is getting warmer, then oxidization is inevitably happening. Yeah. Now, um, do you mind repeating those parameters again? It was 35% RH. Yes. So 35% RH or under and the temperature at 12 Celsius or under. Try not to go over these parameters so you can guarantee the lightest color and as dry as possible hash. Cool. Now, um, I think we've got one last question and we are rearing down to our hour here, man. So let's get this done. What's your favorite hash, man? What was the favorite hash that you've smoked? Purple Kush, but I have heard plenty that actual Purple Kush is just some pink grown poorly or grown differently but something okay. about that 
purple kush taste that I have had, let's say, five years ago, still stuck to me until now. So yeah. I'm pretty, pretty biased towards purples. I just like anything that has the name purple in it. But if you're going to talk overall, anything that is kush and the dominant is what I'm aiming for. To be more specific, because there's a lot of misconceptions about indicas and sativas, the shorter the stalks and bigger the heads is the hash that I'm aiming to consume. Because usually 99% matches up the profile taste and high that I'm aiming for. I see. Okay, so now there, there has been one more question roll in. Um, yep. and we, is there time, is there times where you would leave it as sift hash heads instead of pressing it into rosin? Now, I uh, would if it was a personal, oh wait, I didn't read the rest of it. Um, if I'm keeping it as sift, it's just because sieved, I'm keeping it for personal consumption. Okay. I mostly smoke spliffs because if you want to get things done i can't handle cannabis on its own i would need that nicotine to help uh elevate the high and keep it at like 30 minutes 40 minutes type of high and yeah. then i'm good again to do whatever i need to do so i keep it sieved for easier um distribution and my spliff as i smoke uh, I but mostly i would press it if I am giving it to someone to experience the full effects. I am well aware that I don't get the full effects from just granulated resin, but it works for my high and for my specifications the most as I'm not a chronic pain user. I'm fine. So I don't have a purpose to squish it for myself. Yeah. 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 Cool, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for your time. This has been an incredible interview. I've been looking forward to this since we booked it. Um, my pleasure. Is there anything you want to add? Anybody you want to shout out? Anything like that? I uh, definitely shout out Frenchies for putting me on the road and all the great people that I have met throughout my travels and hash journey in Canada without mentioning specific names. They know who they are. Probably they're watching. And yeah. just keep on making more hash. Rosin is not going to go anywhere. Just try to focus on more hash find growers, tell them to focus on their resin more than their bag of peel flour, if that's yeah. ever going to happen, but it should happen, because hash will be as as valuable as gold, it's already more valuable than gold if we're talking about rosins and whatnot, but there should be more directed market for aged hash and the value upon aging, mm -hmm. same as wine which is yeah. non-existent around here. Uh, you, if you go to producing countries, you would find hashes that goes by the years. There's a one year, three years. I think one of the hashes on Frenchie's travel was in Nepal that was aged over 15 years. So it's almost uh, a lifetime of someone to have yeah. a piece of hash for 15 years. And he mentions it's the most narcotic feeling and tasting hash out there aside from being a land race outdoor grown but wow. hope one day we see this in canada where there's more focus on the resin quality than just squishing it or bag appeal for flowers yeah and like man my dad put it really funny the other day he's like he had to go to the dispensary he doesn't live in the same town as me 
We had to go to the dispensary, and he's like, cannabis is the only thing that hasn't changed price uh, since I was a kid. He's like, it's still 10 bucks a gram if you go to the dispensary, right? And 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 that has to change, I think. Like, there's a, there's especially with what you're saying, like, yeah, things that are aging and taking time and being refined and, and, and processed with care and due diligence uh, is worth more. Wow. I think that's I think that's totally I totally agree with you there, man. <clears throat> no, you said fifteen uh, years, not, right? It was fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Not nothing against flower smokers, but I just believe it's. Uh, don't want to shit on people's taste. I just do sure. not get down with the taste of green at all, and the high yeah. it gives me, it's mostly a paranoid high. I never got behind flower smoking at all. And the only way I was able to smoke flour is one of my hash blends, something about eight months aged hash. The CBN to THC ratio is making it more tolerable to smoke. Yeah. Uh, just, again, most of the flour going for bag appeal, so there is not the proper CBN to THC to CBD ratios. I mean, w with how advanced we got in with growing, the CBD are decreasing to almost non-existing levels, which would explain a lot of anxiety when people smoke. And then yeah. other people would say it's the terpene and cannabinoid content is how you make it feel like that. But I'm telling you, if from my own personal experience, uh, the adequate amount of CBNTTHC help down, uh, help digest down the medicinal effect with the least amount of anxiety as possible. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. We've gone over the, the hour. I really appreciate everything that you've said today. Um, yeah, have, a have a great week, man. Happy New Year. Uh, happy New Year to you, too. And uh, looking forward to uh, being on another live for any questions. If anyone has any questions, feel awesome. free to ask. I'll answer it whenever uh, I see them. Awesome, man. You, uh, yeah, you're such a great, great help in this community. We need more people like you. Well, one step at a time. We're doing it all together. Nothing yeah. special here. That's yeah, true enough. Okay, man. Well, have a good day. You as well. Goodbye. Cheers. All right, everybody. That was uh, at Van Gifshin 1.0. Fucking what a legend! Uh, it's super, super, super grateful to have him on the show. Um, I hope you guys are having a great day, and your week only goes gets better from here. Uh, yeah. Until next time. I'm Jesse B. Always baked, but never burnt. Cheers. Got a head full of foolishness. My baby got a rambling mind. Well, that's all that's growing arms for today, folks. First, I'd like to thank my team for being the undyingly supportive worker bees that they are. Secondly, my sponsors, for they bring more to the community and journey than I could ever have dreamed. Last, and as they say, certainly not least, our biggest buzz and gratitude goes out to you, our listeners. For without you, none of this would be possible. If you like our content, you've learned something new, or we simply make you smile, you can subscribe to the Autoflower Show's Patreon and we can sail these cannabis seas together. To stay completely in the loop, join us at theautoflowershow.com, at The Autoflower Show on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and on all major streaming platforms. Until next time, I'm your host, Jesse B, always baked, never burnt. Uh...
and mama, tell me what have you done?